Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, Magic and Alchemy is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lizenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lizenby. Happy in-bulk season, my friend. We made it through the Januaries. Just barely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, did we? Can I? Can we say that? <laughs> um, no, but seriously, January was like 10 years long. Listeners, I don't know if you felt like this too. Um, the underworld, we were there. Mm-hmm. Your girl is tired. <laughs> Kristen, how are you doing? You good? Yeah, well, I'm good. Um, as you know, January gave me some earthquakes and a black eye. And casual, I've been, casual. Yeah, I've been crying <laughs> about all these things nonstop um, to my friends, so apologies for that. But yeah, welcome February. We love you. Please play nice. Always here for the the tears. Um, mm-hmm. You know, birthday season, it's the dark moon time. I'm now 31, so it's it's real. The tears are real. Mm -hmm. Um, But, Kristen, what what do we have for a listener question today? Well, you know, every seasonal Sabbath, folks reach out to us um, asking when exactly we're celebrating the holiday. So how do you know when to celebrate what? Kate. Mm, yeah, this is a question we get a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, great question. Personally, I I love to take these days as more like seasonal markers um, and like guidelines, lampposts, lanterns for the season. Um, of course, I believe in the power of a sacred day, but I also recognize that feeling in into that time time timeline um specific day with your intuition and with openness and flow are just really as important as the day itself in my opinion so like you know listeners for example there's modern representations of a day you know like october 31st or november 1st for Samhain. There's the astrological marker of a day, like 15 degrees of Scorpio for Samhain. But there may be agricultural or earth-based markers. Um, for example, snowdrops peering above the ground at Embolk, hawthorn blossoms reappearing for Beltane, or literal harvest time, first harvest, second harvest, third harvest, whatever the seasonal marker is. Um, but what do you think, Kristen? Yeah, I agree with all of this. Um, I think these are all beautiful points. And I also think it's helpful to remind ourselves that the calendar we have today is not what people necessarily used in the past. Um, 
especially when some of these ancient Sabbaths and solstice uh, celebrations were happening. Um, you know, back then they used a lunar calendar instead of a solar calendar. Um, so yeah, just things to think about and feeling into what feels right for you. Um, but I think going more in depth, you know, about the lunar calendar in a future episode could be really fun. Yeah, I love, I love that. But today we are talking about the power of three. And this is something we've wanted to talk about for a while. And so I'm going to focus on triplicity in myth and fairy tales, its association with the goddess, creativity, mystery, the moon, and the cosmos. Can't wait. And I'm going to talk about sisters, Pythagorean theory, um, or theorem, theorem. Yes. The Empress. And of course, I have to talk about the moon as well. So let's get into it. By the power of three times three, as I will it, so shall it be. If you are a fan of the 1996 classic movie, The Craft, then these words might sound familiar. I'm borrowing them from teenage witch Sarah Bailey and her coven because it's been a while since we opened an episode with a spell. Plus, I feel like they make a fitting incantation to begin our exploration into the mythical gardens of triplicity, trinities, and the power of three. Witchcraft aside, we've probably been hearing that three is a magic number since we were kids. Think third time's the charm, third time lucky, or if you don't succeed, try and try again. According to Grammarist.com, the idiom third time's the charm didn't come about until the 1800s, but it's rooted in the ancient belief that the number three is magical. This belief has existed across cultures and civilizations and various belief systems for thousands of years. The Greek philosopher Aristotle believed that three was a special number, perhaps a holy number. He said, The triad is the number of the complete whole, inasmuch as it contains a beginning, a middle, and an end. Nature herself has provided us with this number for use in the holy service of the gods. In myths and legends, triplicity is everywhere, especially when it comes to the gods. All we have to do is read a few mythic tales and count all the groupings of three roaming between the pages. There are holy trinities and triple goddesses, gods and devils carrying three-pronged tridents, monsters with three eyes or three heads— Deities like Dionysus that are thrice born, and witches like Caridwen brewing potions in their cauldrons but only collecting the first three drops for the most potent dosage. There are so many directions I want to run here, but thinking specifically about groups of three people, three spirits, three deities, um, because three is a coven, my mind immediately takes me to the divine weavers, the fates, sometimes called the three sisters of fate. 
I wrote an article for the Tamed Wild blog about these women and their connection to the moon, where I explained that each sibling has an identity that ties them to one of the three phases of life, birth, expansion, or death. United, they embody the archetype of the triple goddess. As the youngest, Clotho personifies the waxing phase of the moon. She is the maiden, young, creative, and full of promise. With minimal effort, she works her spindle to turn raw materials into the finest threads. Anything is possible within the nimble mind and body of Clotho the maiden. And Lechesis? She is the mother, as represented by the bold and influential full moon. She relies on a magic rod to measure and test the thread. It's up to her to make sure it's strong enough to withstand a lifetime. But in the end, it's Atropos, the wise crone, who is left to deal with the finality of life. Like the waning moon, she is skilled in destruction, or better yet, transformation. With her shears, she releases our soul from the realm of the living. The bonds between triplicity and the moon is a theme that will come up repeatedly in today's conversation. But in addition to the three Greek fates, there are the three graces. And Kate, I'm not sure we've ever talked much about the graces before here on the podcast. Um, So listeners, if you don't know them, maybe do a quick internet search for this trio because they show up quite a bit in artwork. Um, You know, they are no doubt muses, although they sort of act as background characters despite their beauty and intrigue. Barbara Walker says that the graces were emanations of the goddess. They danced at her shrines, they tended to her adornment, they acted as midwives to the gods. They were patrons of music and dance, poetry, and art. Greek writers called the graces Aglaia, brilliance or elegance, Talia, flower bringer or bloom, and Euphrosyne, who represented joy, love, and the heart's desires. But the Graces had older names inherited from a dim prehistory. Homer knew only one Grace named Kale or Kale, uh, perhaps in reference to Indian Kali. In addition to the Fates and Graces, we also have the three Gorgon sisters, even if it's usually just Medusa who takes the spotlight. Medusa, Stheno, and Uriale make up the Gorgon trio, representing wisdom, strength, and universality between the three. Walker suggests that Hellenic writers pretended the Gorgons were monsters, but in reality, they knew they were symbolic of the Triadic Moon Mother, which is why Orphic mystics continued to call the moon the Gorgon's head. Medusa is also sometimes grouped together with Athena, and Athena's mother, Metis. In this grouping, Athena is the new moon, the maiden, Metis is the full moon, the mother, and Medusa is the dark moon, the personification of cronehood, death, destruction, and transformation. Of these three sisters, Medusa is the only one that's immortal. Stepping outside of Greek myth for a moment, we can still find plenty of triads, yet most of them seem to still point us toward the cosmos. There is the Egyptian holy trinity of Osiris, Isis, and Horus. 
and the Babylonian trinity of Shamash, Sin, and Ishtar, essentially the sun, moon, and star. This triad was popular around the 5th century BCE. In his book, Angels and Archangels, A Magician's Guide, author Damien Eccles mentions an ancient Sumerian trinity of Enki, Anu, and Enlil. He says, quote, The ancient Sumerians divided the celestial sphere into three parts, northern, southern, and central, and knew each part as infinitely powerful divine intelligence. They called the being identified with the southern hemisphere Enki, and the central region, um, basically the stars populating the sky above the equator, was known as Anu. Enlil was the deity associated with the northern hemisphere, and together these three, Enki, Anu, and Enlil, composed one of the first holy trinities on record. End quote. And I just love threading together connections between triplicity and the moon, um, or more widely the cosmos, because it's not only reflected in our magical practices and mythologies, but in fairy tales and folk stories. Baba Yaga is a character from Russian and Slavic lore that we love here on Magic and Alchemy. She is iconic and mysterious, preferring to speak in riddles. Um, So it's really no surprise that she also believes in the power of three. The opening lines of Baba Yaga tales will sometimes highlight the power of three, beginning a story with, once upon a time in the 30th realm, or once upon a time in a kingdom across three times nine lands. In her book, Baba Yaga's Book of Witchcraft, Slavic Magic from the Witch of the Woods, Madame Pamita, who we had here on the podcast back in Season 3, Episode 81, channels Baba Yaga and writes, The forest is where I come from, born at the same time as the sun, the moon, and the 77 sister stars, born as one of three sisters. Like all multiple births, we had our individual identities, but we were also identified as a unit. We all became known as the Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga also knows about the three worlds and tells us that the world is divided into three parts, the lower world, middle world, and the upper world. This is not your concept of heaven and hell. This is the land of nature spirits, the land of the material world, and the land of the ethereal spirits. We see these three worlds symbolized by the world tree with its roots and trunks and branches. We also see these three worlds reflected in our kati, or home. The floors are the lower world, the walls are the middle world, and the ceiling is our upper world. End quote. During my research, I learned that in Russian literature, as well as in oral storytelling, some stories are good enough to tell three times. But it's three times and three times only because twice is not enough and four times exhausts the story, they say, makes it trite, reflecting poorly on the storyteller. 
In the article, People in Threes Going Up in Smoke and Other Triplicities in Russian Literature and Culture, author Lee Croft compares this practice to a superstition, like spitting three times over the left shoulder to remove the hex or jinx of the evil eye. In her book, The Fairy Queens, a collection of essays exploring the myths, magic, and mythology of the fairy queens, author Sarita Diestes suggests that the underlying reason behind the repeating theme of triplicity remains a mystery, but one that is well worth spending time contemplating. And this is something I couldn't agree with more. She asks, do the three forms represent the triple nature of the soul? Celtic tradition holds that the soul is contained within three cauldrons located in the center, the heart, and the head, and this draws a parallel with the Platonic concept of the soul consisting of an earthly, intellectual, and spiritual component. Similar models of the soul may be found in a number of traditions worldwide. Another possibility is that the three forms represent the cycle of life, death, and rebirth, or perhaps the realms of earth, sea, and sky. From a numerological perspective, the number three symbolizes creativity, self-expression, and communication. Associated with optimism, enthusiasm, and finding joy in the everyday, the number three points to the triad the Trinity, um, the Holy Trinity, as we've mentioned, as well as the idea of achieving harmony through the combination of different aspects or forces, um, which feels very much like what we talk about when we talk about working with archetypal stories and the characters within. In sacred geometry, the number three is associated firstly with the triangle, but also the pentagram, um, a famous elemental symbol associated with the goddess and the planet Venus. There is also the triskel which is a Celtic symbol created by joining three circles. And this often symbolizes the Trinity and a union of spirit, soul, and body. Also interesting to note is that in some of Greece's ancient alphabets, the triangle or delta symbol represents the holy door, the vulva of the all-mother Demeter, also known as Mother Delta. As a source of all life, the Gnostics believe the triangle signified creative intellect. Hey witches, Shelby here. I'm the creatrix of Tamed Wild and I wanted to jump in here real quick to let you know about a new offering we've put together for you all. Born from the desire for community and a safe place to share and grow in our practices, I bring you The Coven. The Coven is an online community safe from the eyes of social media where we can gather, share, learn, and connect. We can really be ourselves. Led by the Tame Wild team, each week members receive six new offerings, including a live check-in call, a downloadable grimoire page, an audio meditation, astrological insight, collective tarot reading, and journaling and shadow work prompts. Additionally, each month members receive a PDF workbook focused on growing your spiritual practice a tarot spread for the month, and a 60-minute live gathering where we share in ceremony, ritual, or education. The membership is loaded with offerings, and the space that holds it is incredible. 
With discussion boards and a live chat feature, there's always someone there to connect with. Membership is $26 a month and you can try it free for seven days. Visit tamedwildcoven.com for more information. We're really excited about this offering and we hope to see you there. Now back to magic and alchemy. I love that you threaded in the craft, Kristen, because my first thought was the pilot episode of Charmed in 1998, inscribed on the spirit board given to Prue, Piper, and Phoebe, to my three beautiful girls, may this give you the light to find the shadows. The power of three will set you free. And so it does. The spirit board leads the girls to the attic where they discover their book of shadows. Three is a reminder of the power of a collective, shared intentions, and coming together. In so many stories, the power of three sisters is a force to be reckoned with, whether from times of old or in our modern retellings. Like the fates you mentioned, Kristen, but also in the three witches of Shakespeare's Macbeth, the Grey Sisters, the Weird Sisters, and the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, the Uranies or Furies, and even the Hex Girls of Scooby-Doo came to mind. I wrote an article for Tamed Wild's blog about the Grey Sisters, Dino, Enyo, and Pemfredo. Dino translates to dread, Enyo means horror, and Pemfredo means alarm, although some sources point to different, yet also frightening names. These Grey Sisters come from a version of Old Greek meaning old woman or to grow old, and the sisters were also sisters to the Gorgons and were the daughters of the sea gods Phorcys and Seto. They came out of the womb as old women, and these crones share both an eye and a single tooth. In some tales, they have the heads of women and the bodies of swans. The Grey Sisters are known as sea hags, personified as the white foam of the waves, and the most famous tale about them might be their encounter with Perseus before he kills their sister, Medusa. The Grey Sisters were the guardians of the Gorgons, also guardians, who you mentioned, Kristen. When Perseus came to slay Medusa, it is said that he stole the eye and the tooth from the sisters in order to threaten them into telling him where their sister was. In Demetra George's Mysteries of the Dark Moon, she describes the Aranese as, They were called the children of the night by Aeschylus, and the daughters of earth and darkness by Sophocles. Hesiod assimilated them into later cosmologies by saying the Aranese were born when the blood of castrated Uranus fell upon the mother earth Gaia, and when this same blood dropped down upon the ocean, the resulting foam took shape as their sister Aphrodite, which is why Aphrodite is sometimes referred to as the old of the Aranese. Robert Graves comments that the three Aranese who sprung from Uranus's blood are the triple goddess herself, that is to say, during the king's sacrifice designed to fructify the cornfields in their triple form, the Aranese appeared as Electo, the never-ending, Megara, which means envious anger, and Tisiphone, containing the word Tissus, retaliation. There is three embodied, and then there's three as law of the universe. In Wicca, the rule of three is a guiding tenet of the practice, and this law or rule states that whatever magic is practiced will be returned three times to the witch who casts the spell. 
1949, in High Magic's Aid, Gerald Gardner wrote, Thou hast obeyed the law, but mark well, when thou receivest good, so equally art bound to return good threefold. For this is the joke in witchcraft. The witch knows, though the initiate does not, that she will get three times what she gave, so she does not strike hard. End quote. Pythagoras of the classic Pythagorean theorem, think a squared plus b squared equals c squared, knew that three was a sacred number. He believed this for a few reasons, one of them being that three is the only number which is the sum of the sum of the numbers below it. He also believed it was special because it was a number that notably reflects the human experience, the beginning, middle, and end, birth, life, and death. Pythagoras also thought three was important on an ethical level, because according to him, a person's virtue is composed of three distinct parts, understanding, power, and chance. Ion of Chios, who followed the teaching of Pythagoras, said, All things are three, and there is nothing more or less than this three. This division into three reminds me of the three keys of Hecate, the belief that the world is divided into three distinct realms and that the dark goddess of witchcraft, necromancy, poison plants, and the crossroads keeps keys to each. She unlocks deftly the underworld, the mortal world, and the heavenly realms, or the cosmos. And she is often depicted as three-headed. In the first century CE, Ovid wrote, Look at Hecate, standing guard at the crossroads, one face looking in each direction. End quote. This goddess is also related to the moon. When divided into three phases, there is the waxing, the waning, and the full moon. A reminder of each phase of life, how all comes in cycles, how the moon spirals through the year, waxing and waning, coming to fullness and then newness again and again. In tarot, there is a different embodiment of the feminine, not sisters nor moon, but rather the third card of the major arcana in the body of the empress. In 78 Degrees of Wisdom by Rachel Pollack, Rachel explains this about the Empress, quote, As a combination of one and two, the number three signifies synthesis and harmony. The natural world combines the magician and the high priestess in an indivisible unity of life and death, darkness and light. The idea of emotion also brings together the magician archetype of activeness with the high priestess archetype of instinct, end quote. The Empress is maternal, life-giving, powerful, in-flow, and abundant. About the Empress, Shelby Bundy wrote on the Tamed Wild blog's tarot series, quote, She is the keeper of the hearth, the creator of sustenance, and the provider of a warm home on a cold winter night. We meet her on the path of our experience when we need to be reminded to take refuge and connect with the earth, mother nature, and our creativity. She is abundant in all its blessings and is there to support us on our journey. She arrives to remind us to embrace the natural beauty around us and to nurture ourselves and others." To connect with this ancient number, pay attention this week and see where three appears in your life. Connect with these archetypes of balance, collective power, nourishment, and magic. Embrace the whole and remember to honor each sacred part. To the power of three and blessed be. Thank you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kristen Lisenby and Kate Ballou. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy and at K8Baloo. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. 
You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at Tamed Wild or on the blog tamedwild.com. Join us back here in two weeks for another magical conversation. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it, so mote it be or something better. Until next time. <laughs>